when I was a kid, I remember certain things, obviously, like you do. And I remember looking to certain milestones of age and saying, well, I'll tell you what I remember saying. I can't wait till I'm 10 years old. And I don't know why. So, but I can't wait till I'm 10. I reckon in my mind it was that magic number. So 10 years old came, 10 came, and then I started saying, well, I can't wait till I'm 13, right? So 13. Then I can't wait till I'm 16. You know, that's the magic number. And then after that, it's 18. That's the new magic number. And 21, that's the new magic number. I don't know what it is after that. But anyway, everything starts, you know. <laughs> Nobody wants to get older after that. All right. We're kind of like that when it comes to certain achievements, graduations, promotions, degrees, things like that. And there's nothing wrong with that, by the way. It's just, it's just who we are as humans. Sometimes we can be that way when it comes to possessions. And so for me, and I know, here's where the story gets kind of crazy. For me, after we got married, I remember telling my wife, Honey, you know how you talk about everything, you know. The subject came up one time about a dream car. And I said, I know you're going to think I'm crazy. I said, but if I, my dream car, now this is when I was 22, 23, 24 years old, you know, just got married, just starting out in life and ministry. You feel like you don't have anything, but you really, you know, you had more than what you realized. But anyway, we had one, one vehicle amongst the two of us. And, uh, you know, we started out like so many of you, just we had one car. And it was a rattle trap. I mean, I, I was thankful for it. But anyway, so I told her, I said, you know, I would love my dream car, honey. And don't ask, don't ask me after service. Why did you pick that car? I don't know. My dream car, I told her, I said, I'll consider myself a success. <laughs> it's so dumb. If, if, if one day we can get a Toyota Camry. Doesn't that sound dumb? Of all the cars you could pick in the world, and CP picks a Toyota Camry. You can tell I'm really, you know, living on the edge there. So the Lord blessed. We worked. We saved. God was good. And the day came in July of 2000. We had enough money, we, we, had, we had paid off some hospital bills and stuff, and man, we just started saving, we didn't have any children at the time, and if y'all remember, we didn't think we would be able to have children, and so we saved up a bunch of money and all that to put a big down payment on a car, and uh, the day came, I'm like, honey, we got enough money to go, and somebody helped me locate a used Toyota Camry, and it was this taupe colored my wife called it golden but it was taupe colored it had a spoiler on it it was a 1998 Toyota Camry with like 20 or 30,000 miles on it and I'm telling you it was right in our price range it was what we needed it was what I was looking for what I've been praying and asking Jesus for and he had helped us save up 
a bunch of money, you know, set it aside and all that. And, and the day came where we were able to buy that Toyota Camry. And I know it sounds so goofy to you, but I was so pumped and excited about that Toyota Camry. I'm like, I, I, let, I left the paper floor mats. So you know how when you buy a, a car, they put the paper floor mats in there? I'm like, I mean, and look, it still had, even though it wasn't new, it still had the smell to it. Y'all know what I'm talking about? And I'm like, dude, wonder what the poor folks are doing today, you know? <laughs> I'm telling you, I was so pumped and excited about that car. I left the paper floor mats in there for like six months. And I mean, when they got all raunchy and then Aaron's like, take the floor mats out of the car. I'm like, no, we're going to leave them. I mean, for the first six to nine months, I was so particular about that car. Aaron got in one time. We were headed somewhere, and she got in with like a Pop-Tart. I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. Get out. Get out of this car. Uh -uh." (laughs) Y'all know what I'm talking about? Ain't nobody eating in this car. And then you have kids, and then everything breaks loose in there, right? You know? How many of y'all know what I'm talking about? You find a, a, a 10-year-old Happy Meal in there and a French fry that still look the same as when you bought it going through the drive-thru at McDonald's, right? Somebody say amen right there. My wife said, honey, she said, that thing is becoming too important to you. I'm like, no, it didn't. She nicknamed the car the Golden Buddha. And as I look back, Foolishly, I really, I really made that car more important than what it should have been. I'm going to guess now. I'm, I'm, I'm not an expert. I'm going to guess that we're all like that about some things. It might not have been your car or a Toyota Camry, but for you, it might have been a house. Tell you what, if I could just get that house. Maybe it was a position of some kind. If I can just get that promotion. Have that job, that job. Maybe it was a certain location, somewhere to live. I could just live there in that neighborhood. I remember thinking, because there's some neighborhoods here in Goldsboro, I remember thinking, you know what, boy, I wonder what it'd be like to live in that neighborhood as if that neighborhood was any better or different than any other neighborhood, right? Don't we do that? Maybe it was a boat for you. And then you got the boat and realized it was one of the worst things you could ever invest in. (laughs) Maybe it was a piece of land. I could just get that piece of land. Maybe it was a relationship for you. You put all your eggs in that basket. Thinking that that relationship or whatever was going to bring you the epitome of success. It's going to make you happy. And the truth of the matter is, gang, that's what we're doing when we have our own little golden Buddhas. We're thinking that that object or that thing or that possession, that car, that vehicle, that house, that vacation home, that trinket, 
whatever it is is going to bring us more sense of worth, fulfillment, happiness, pleasure. And maybe it does for just a short time. And then, as Fred Carraway says, reality lurks. And you wake up and you realize that 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 you thought was going to be your gateway to happiness is really not. And so then what do we do? Then we're forced to go looking for another gateway to happiness. And if we're not careful, we run from one success to the next. One position to the next. One house to the next. One possession to the next. One promotion to the next. Trying to find that magic pill or that magic bullet that's going to give us what we think we're looking for. And the happiness that comes along with it. His name was Uzziah. His father was assassinated by his own people. Uzziah's daddy, Amaziah, was the king of Judah. And he started out serving God, but he soon turned away from the Lord, and he went after the idols and the false gods of the Edomites, and he ended up being assassinated by his own countrymen. It's tragic. So at the age of 16, his son, Uzziah, became the king. It's interesting, Uzziah's name means the Lord is my strength. Think about that just a moment. God is my strength. My strength is God. My strength comes from God. In Scripture, he's referred to also as Azariah. Early in his reign, he was heavily influenced by the prophet Zechariah. He conquered the Philistines and the Arabians. He received tribute money from the Ammonites. He refortified the country, the land of Judah. He reorganized and re-equipped the army. He personally engaged in agricultural pursuits. He was a vigorous and able ruler. And it says about him that his name spread abroad even to the entering in of Egypt. All the way to Egypt they heard about Uzziah. I want you to notice what the scripture says in 2 Chronicles chapter 26. Look at verse 15 in your Bible. And he made in Jerusalem engines invented by cunning men to be on the towers and upon the bulwarks to shoot arrows and great stones with all. That's a reference to the fortification that he built around Jerusalem and the military garrison and the protection that he established And these creations and devices that he had designed where they could shoot a multiplicity of arrows and stones and rocks out at the enemy. It was a very ingenious plan and it was uh, very creative and, 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 and technologically advanced for the day. And notice this, verse 15. And his name, the name of Uzziah, spread far abroad. For he was marvelously helped. Stop right there. Remember what his name means. The Lord is my help. The Lord is my helper. The Bible says he was marvelously helped. Helped greatly. Who was it that was helping Uzziah? Well, gang, it was the Lord. 
He was the one giving the prosperity. He was the one blessing. He was the one giving the wisdom, giving the insight, giving the skill and the leadership. It was God who was enabling all of this. All of it, every single bit of it, was being enabled and blessed by God in Uzziah's life. He was marvelously helped, notice verse 15, until he was strong. Does you might see the contrast there? He was marvelously helped by God until Uzziah began to see himself as strong. Verse 16, but when he was strong, his heart was lifted up to his destruction. For he transgressed against the Lord his God and went into the temple of the Lord to burn incense upon the altar of incense. And as we'll learn tonight, as we finish the message, we'll learn that that was something that only the high priest was supposed to do. And he was actually stepping out of bounds and getting out of his God-given lane and assignment for his life by doing that. I want to talk to you this morning, and, and, and here's the message. The seductive and destructive nature of pride. Let's go ahead and throw this out on the table, shall we? Pride is a sin that every one of us deals with. And if you're sitting here this morning and you say that's not true about you, then you're guilty of committing a second sin, and that's lying. Everybody in here, if you're old enough to understand what I'm saying, everybody battles pride. Everybody battles this seductive and destructive sin. I I want you to notice, first of all, with me, what I call the prosperity that he enjoyed. The prosperity he enjoyed. We see this in verses 1 through 15. We know that God blessed him economically. Verse 5, it says, as long as he sought God, God made him to prosper. Everything that he did, it seemed like he had the mightest touch to it. It turned to gold. Economically, the nation was better off under his leadership, under his reign. Scholars say that there were only two kings that had more prosperity when it came to finances and and economics than Uzziah. God blessed him economically. God blessed him geographically. Verses 6 through 8 talk about the land that he conquered. He conquered the Philistines. He conquered uh, the, the Arabians. He even got it where uh, uh, that certain lands were paying tribute and taxes to Judah. That was unheard of. God blessed him geographically. He expanded the kingdom. He did what so many kings of Judah didn't do or hadn't been able to do. And he expanded the borders. They were wealthy. They had more territory now than they had ever had. And then God prospered him militarily. We see that in verses 11 through 15. It's interesting that the Bible says he had 2,600 commandos at his disposal. Mighty men. By the way, 2,600 may not seem like a lot for us today. Basically, these were the leaders. These were the elite. We would say these were the Navy SEALs of his day. They were like David's mighty men. They're called mighty men. They were like David's, except it's interesting. You know how many mighty men David had? He had 37. Uzziah had 2,600. 
He had 2,600 commandos at his disposal, and he had a standing army, and this is unheard of in this day, of 307,500 soldiers. Now, for a tiny little area like Judah, that was a lot of soldiers. God blessed him. I want to remind you today, ladies and gentlemen, of what James 1.17 says, that every good and perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father. I want you to think right now. Everybody, don't think about Uzziah right now. I want you to think about you. Think about the favor and blessing of God on you. Everybody, everybody I know could say, well, you know, There's just some things I don't like about my life, some things that are negative about my life. Sure, I know you could point to that, but I want you to focus on something different today. Focus on God's goodness to you right now. And I dare say in this room, I promise you, God has been good to us. Overwhelmingly, the poorest person and the most disenfranchised person in this room, I want you to hear me, is more wealthy than 92% of the world's population. Do you understand that? Think about how good God's been. Wow. Just materially, possessions, vehicles, homes, other things, health. That's something you can't buy with money, right? peace of mind, good relationships, children, grandchildren. We could go on and on and on recounting the favor and the hand and the goodness and the blessing of God on our lives individually. Look how good he's been. We ought to say every time, praise God from whom all blessings flow. We could sing the doxology every hour, every moment. Because he really has been that good to us. So I'll tell you what. Uzziah, the Lord is my strength. God was good to Uzziah. Can I tell you something? God's been good to me. He's been good to you. I want you to, here's takeaway number one. Realize where it all comes from. The Bible says it was God who marvelously overwhelmingly, abundantly helped Uzziah. It was God. It wasn't his own skill. It was God that gave him the skill. It wasn't his own ingenuity. It was God who gave him the ingenuity and gave him the insight and gave him the wisdom and gave him the ability and gave him the charisma and gave him the leadership ability. It was God who favored him and placed him in that position. Promotion comes from the Lord. Favor comes from God. It's the blessing in the hand of Almighty God on him. It was the Lord that did it. Remember where your blessing comes from. Remember who gave you that family. Remember who gave you those kids. Remember who gave you that spouse. Remember who gave you your job. Remember who gave you that open door. Remember who gave you favor. Remember who gives you the ability to walk and talk and to think and to process and to put two thoughts together logically. Remember who gives us that ability. It's the Lord Jesus and every good thing comes down from Him. 
which we talked about in our Sunday school class this morning, surely goodness and mercy will follow us all the days of our life. That's His goodness and His mercy that He showers down on all of us. Remember where it comes from. Wait a minute, wait a minute, Christian. I had something to do with, no, we didn't. Whatever skill we have is God-given. Whatever ability we have is given to us by the Lord. You say, wait a minute, I worked hard. I worked hard to have that. I worked hard to earn the money. Yes, but who was it that gave us the ability to go work? Who gives you the ability tomorrow morning and we're taking this on credit and thanking God ahead of time? Who is it that gives you the ability to get up out of the bed tomorrow morning? You let some little thing happen or something get short-wired in our mind and our brain physiologically with us and we won't even be able to open our eyes. You let some chemical level get out of whack or potassium to get low or this to get high or this to get low and I'm telling you, we won't even be able to wake up. Who is it that sustains us and keeps us functioning properly? Oh, friend, you know it's the Lord. Why on earth do we want to take credit or become proud at anything? And then we notice number two, and I want you to hear me. Here's where we're going to close for this morning. We're going to finish tonight. But the problem he experienced, everything was going great. God was helping him. Everything was going good until Uzziah started thinking he was great. Verse 15, he was marvelously helped by God until he saw himself as strong. Verse 16, when he saw himself as strong, his heart was lifted up to destruction. So he went from Uzziah, the Lord is my strength, to now, wait a minute, I am the source of my own strength. Really, Uzziah? What changed? What happened? Uzziah became great in his own eyes. Uzziah did what we say about athletes. He began reading his own press reports. (laughs) John Calvin said that nothing is more dangerous than to be blinded by prosperity. It proves, he said, also the truth of the old proverb that it's more difficult to bear prosperity than it is to bear adversity. Can I tell you that's what makes the Old Testament character of Job so remarkable? Here was a man who faced adversity and prosperity and he passed both with flying colors. One man said nearly all men can stand adversity But if you want to test a man's true character, give him power. See how he handles it. Listen carefully. We all have a problem of being too conscious with the word I'm going to give you. Status. Status. What does that word mean? Status. It refers to a place, a position, comfort level. Perks, blessings, experiences, status. You know what that is, right? Oh, look at that. Oh, they're high class. Oh, look at that. They have money. Oh, they're attractive. Oh, they're smart. Oh, they're charismatic. Oh, they're a leader. They have a position. They have this. They have that. They have status. We crave it. We do. 
we measure it. We celebrate it. We buy it. We sell out to it. We measure ourselves by it and measure other people by it. Status. And that's what Uzziah had. And it blinded him. We seem to be naturally more impressed by someone if they're more wealthy. Or they're more attractive. Naturally just impressed. Automatic impression. Automatic credibility in their pocket, we say. If they're more wealthy or more attractive. Why is that? That didn't have anything to do necessarily with their own DNA code. A lot of physical attraction just simply comes to good genetics. And that's it. But we are so impressed with somebody that's pretty or somebody that's handsome. I know. Please don't. (laughs) Y'all know that's a joke. We're more impressed if they're more articulate. I'll tell you, that guy's smart. I'll tell you, I'll tell you, I can tell that guy's smart. Why can you tell he's smart? Just, just listen to him talk. Well, it might mean he's a good talker. Pardon me, some of the dumbest people I've ever met in my life were those that loved hearing themselves talk. Can I get an amen in the house? Just because you are articulate and good talker don't mean a hill of beans. But we get impressed by that. We get impressed by someone if they're more charismatic in their personality. Oh, 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 I love being around them. Oh, they make me feel so good. Oh, I love they're 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 the life of the party. We're just automatically impressed by that. And again, all those things are God given. We didn't have anything to do with that. We get impressed by somebody if they're more powerful. If they have a certain position that we think is an automatic power. Oh, uh, oh, hey, hey, hey. Someone's, hey, hey. Here, here they come. Here they come. And we don't just act that way out yonder in Goldsboro and Wayne County. We act that way here at church sometimes. We act that way in relationships with one another. I want to really impress so-and-so because of this, or I, I'm, I really don't care about impressing so-and-so because of that. And, and so we began to show and play favorites and show favoritism even in the house of God just because of this or that. And James, remember our study in James on Wednesday night, he hits that nail on the head square head on, and he says if you treat somebody different because of what they look like or because of their clothes or their status, he said it's doubtful that you even know God. You see, success, prosperity, and favor all have a way of changing us. They have a way of profoundly affecting the way we view life, we view others, and we view ourselves. We see ourselves as the reason, the source, the originators of our own blessings, goodness, and wisdom, and skill, and worth, and wealth. And we begin to get, and here's a word that God uses, we begin to get puffed up. Yeah, I know, I, I, I know my name means the Lord helps and God is my help. But I'm going to tell you something. Look at what I've been able to do for the last 50 years as king. 
that's pretty impressive. I'm impressed with myself. Look at my resume. Yeah. Look at how far I've extended the kingdom. Look at these inventions I've come up with. Look at how large my army is. And just that time, he went from being great to having the favor of God removed from his life just like that. See, here's takeaway number two. Reject pride and ego. All of us battle that. All of us battle. Hey, determine this morning. You're going to reject pride and ego. Don't pursue prosperity. You say, wait a minute, CP. Are you telling us we shouldn't take that promotion? No, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying don't make it your goal. You trust God. You live in the favor of God. And you, if God opens the door, then you walk through it prayerfully and by His leadership. But don't make prosperity your goal because it can become your golden Buddha. This is going to sound like a cliche, but it's not. It's Bible. You pursue Jesus in His favor. That's Matthew 6.33. You pursue Jesus. And then he'll add to us everything needed for us to fulfill his purpose for our lives. Remember 1 Timothy 6, 6 through 10. But godliness with contentment is great gain, for we brought nothing in this world. It's certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and clothes, let us therewith be content. But they that would be rich, in other words, those that make riches their goal and their God, they will fall into the temptation and a snare and hurtful and foolish lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root of all evil. He didn't say money was evil. He said loving it is the root of all evil because at the very heart of it is pride. Don't pursue prosperity. You pursue Jesus. And you let him give you favor. Conscientiously and often and daily say this. It's not about me. In fact, say that right now. It's not about me. Say it again. It's not about me. It's about him. It's all about Jesus. He's the reason for anything and everything good in my life. One writer I read this week, Bob Goss, said, Our lives will never be about Jesus if we keep making everything about ourselves. And that's a true statement. John 3.30, John the Baptist said, He, Jesus, must increase and I must decrease. And then I'll give you this thought. Embrace your utter and complete sufficiency in Christ alone. Everybody take your Bible. We're in 2 Chronicles right now. I want you to go to 2 Corinthians in the New Testament as we close. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, look at verse 5. Embrace your utter and complete sufficiency in Jesus Christ alone. What does that mean? What do I mean by that statement? 
I mean that you and I don't have anything to boast in, yo. You and I don't have anything to come to anybody, much less before the Lord, and claim as our own goodness, our own wisdom, our own... No, no, no. It's all God. It's all Him. Not that we are sufficient, 2 Corinthians 3, 5. Not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything as of ourselves. In other words, you need to realize, here it is, we're all nothing apart from Jesus. But he says, our sufficiency is of God. Your sufficiency and whatever good there is in your life and mine is Jesus. For to me to live is... That's what Paul says. It's all Jesus. It's not my house. It's not even my family, as wonderful as they are. It's not my car or my truck now. It's not my position. As, it's, it's, it's not my uh, bank account. It's not my investments. And, and, I, and I thank God for all those things, and you thank God for all those things. But I'm telling you right now, we have nothing to boast in apart from Jesus Christ alone. If we're going to be known for anything, let's be known as Belonging to Jesus. I'm a servant of the Most High God. That's it. He's who I claim. He's what I claim. It's not in accolades. It's not in my intelligence. It's not in this or that. It's in Jesus. I want you to do something with me this morning. I want us all to bow our head and pray, please.